Hi, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from Teaching Your Toddler, and I am super excited to welcome our very special guest today, Dr. Patty Ashley. She is a best-selling author, speaker, psychotherapist, as well as workshop presenter. She has also founded the Authenticity Architecture Model that creates long-term changes in the brain and central nervous system. She is a doctorate of philosophy in psychology from Union Institute and University. She also holds a master's of science degree in early childhood education from Old Dominion University. And she has a bachelor of science degree in special education from James Madison University. She's the author of several books, including Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype, as well as her brand new book, Shame Informed Therapy, The Art and Architecture of Reconstructing the Authentic Self. So please help me welcome Dr. Ashley to our show. Hi, this is Mary Jo Tinlin from the Teaching Your Toddler Show. This morning we have Dr. Patty Ashley, who is going to talk to us a little bit about um, parenting and about also being a parent. Uh, And I will let her introduce herself. So Dr. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi, Mary Jo. Thanks for having me. Um, Right now I'm a psychotherapist outside of Boulder, Colorado, and I'm also an author and I do some teaching and training for therapists as well. Um, my background includes being a special education teacher and a early childhood educator, parent educator, and a mom of four now grown children. And so I put all those pieces together in my work that I call authenticity architecture, where I help people really dig up parts of themselves that maybe they have forgotten. So we do some inner child work and I also help parents with their kiddos and yeah, so that's, um, Quick summary of who I am and what I do here. I am very intrigued by the parts they've forgotten. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So what's fascinating is, um, again, because my background was so immersed in child development, I learned a while ago about the old parenting practices that were very shame-based back in the 18th century. And I know that seems like a long time ago, but we are also research is showing we may be carrying 14 generations of our ancestral DNA. And so when I started doing my doctoral research, a mom's not feeling good enough. I really started to dig up, well, what is it in our cellular memory that says I can't get this right? Because parents would read books about child development and the more books they read, the worse they felt. And so that's when I really started to look at there's some things in our unconscious implicit memory that um, we forget. And so what we've learned from these old parenting practices that were very much shame-based is spare the rod, spoil the child, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. You should be ashamed of yourself, beat the devil out of the child. Literally, these are things that parents were taught. And it wasn't until the mid 20th century that we realized that wasn't such a great idea. <laughs> that those, <laughs> those aren't really what we want to do to raise healthy emotional selves. And so moms are really trying hard to figure that out. But the real work is for the parent, I think, and um, Bruno Badelheim, who's a child psychiatrist, said this, he said, parents today have two jobs. They have to, and I know discipline's a dirty word, but discipline is about to teach or train. It's not to punish. It's not the old school stuff. Um, We have to discipline ourselves as well as our kiddos at the same time, because we have to go back and look at those parts that got 
broken and and uh, cut off from these old parenting practices. And so a lot of parents will say, well, you know, I was spanked and I turned out okay, or, you know, I had a pretty normal childhood. But if you really tease it out, oftentimes kids are told to be, I have to share one of my favorite quotes by Catherine Kersey, who is my teacher mentor in early childhood. And she says, all children come into the world very much like a packet of seeds with no cover on the front. And it's our job as a parent to provide the adequate water, air, nutrition, and light to raise that seed to its highest potential. It's not our job to raise a rose into a carnation or carnation into a rose. Wow, what a good quote. That's incredible. I learned a lot from this woman about raising kids, and I see it so clearly in how much parents struggle to try and get it right. And those are the parts we're trying to dig up because we're trying to project onto our kids a lot of times, you know, our unmet emotional needs. And instead of going back and going, well, what is it that, that I was told I was supposed to be, but I became something else. I put on what uh, Donald Winnicott calls a false self as opposed to our true self. And that's the whatever the seed's highest potential is. And so that's what digging up is all about. It's like, well, let's look at these messages that got set up early on. By the time we're seven, it's all set up and it's all unconscious and it's all in the implicit memory for the most part. Um, and that's why we forget. And then we start doing what's familiar, what we've learned, and we think it is, you know, the right thing. And we don't question that it just is something that's familiar. I like to look at the word familiar as the, as two words, family liar. And oftentimes um, the, um, the things that are familiar in our families aren't really true for us. And that's what, again, digging all that up is about. And let's dig it up. Let's make it conscious. Let's sort it out. And then we become, we really become better parents when we really know ourselves even more fully. And that's Absolutely. a lot better work than to teach our children to be a certain way. Uh, right. So understanding and knowing your own self and your own motivations are what then manifest into your parenting style and, and what you're passing on to your child, as you said, like passing on these this generational DNA, right? Correct. And it requires a lot of courage and willingness. And I like the word tenacity to really stay with that. Um especially when we're, we, we are doing both things at once. We're parenting our children and we're also really, I mean, we see ourselves in our children when say they're six years old and, you know, we remember being six, we have unconscious memories that come up. So it's a great opportunity to really connect to our inner child as we parent our children. So we can do a lot of healing simultaneously, but uh, most parents, because of the shame and the old parenting practices, don't allow themselves to do that because I taught parent ed for a long time for a pediatric group and people would come to my classes and they'd, and they would say, Oh gosh, I feel a lot of shame because, you know, I feel like I shouldn't know how to do this. And, you know, when I told my mother, I was taking a parenting class, she wanted to know if, if I was okay or my coworker, like what's wrong, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's like, there's so much, there's this idea that we're supposed to know how to do this instinctively and possibly we do but all of these old beliefs that become familiar and are in our dna kind of bring up a lot of questions about am i doing it right what's you know i don't how do i do this different 
Mm -hmm. Right. And does that sort of lead into um, or does it go along with what your first book was about, the living in the shadow of the two good mother archetype? How does that sort of relate to to what you've just discussed there? Absolutely. So I interviewed moms and I found this common theme that none of them could say they really ever felt good enough. It was um, things like, well, I got the cupcakes to the party at school on time, then I feel good enough. But overall, <laughs> the experience of parenting was one of, I can't get it right. And I've worked with, gosh, hundreds, probably close to a thousand or more moms now, and probably more than a thousand. Um, you know, when they're one-on-one -on -one with me, they'll say the same thing and they think it's only them. You know, everybody else seems to get be able to figure this out. And I, and I say, oh, well, you know, I've heard the same story from a lot of other people because again, there's so much shame. And that's why my work evolved into really core shame because there's so much shame around needing to get it all right. Um, and that perfectionism in parenting. So yeah, that's what the book was, was about. And then how do we then dig up the unconscious memories and turn them into something that is more integrated and whole for ourselves and our children? That's, and I, I know your newest book is about shame specifically. Um, and how does that sort of manifest itself with us as, as parents, as moms specifically? Yeah, well, the new research is fascinating on that because they're finding um, it's similar to trauma in what happens in, in the brain and the nervous system development. And so we know that the first three years are the most crucial time for social emotional brain development because the right brain develops first. And that's what the right brain is about is sensing, feeling, creativity. It's nonlinear. The left brain is more logical and linear and thinking. So as that right brain is developing in the first three years, we adults, we take some of these old parenting practices as well as we take our logic and reason, which we seem to really hold on to because it, it helps us feel like we're in control of our lives. And we don't realize that children and babies don't need a lot of the logic and reason what they need is emotional safety they need to be held they need to be mirrored they need adults to attune to them and do the dance of of um you know of witnessing and understanding and hearing and seeing and the more an infant and a toddler feels that um they they start to feel a sense of self and they feel a sense of safety in the environment. And then they, it really helps the rest of the development. So then when the left brain develops, they have a, already got this unconscious story of I'm lovable, I'm enough. But what happens in a lot of families because of the old parenting practices and because we're still learning this and because we're repeating the patterns and it's in our DNA, we tend to still do some of the shame-based practices or we flip to the other side where we get real permissive with our kids and we don't provide enough guidelines. And so there's this idea of not being seen and not being heard. And so the, uh, the neural connections in the right brain actually prune off and don't develop adequately to give us a sense of self that says, I'm safe, I'm enough, I'm lovable, I'm worthy of love and belonging. 
So the definition of shame, according to Brene Brown, who's a really well-known shame researcher, is the excruciatingly painful feeling of being unworthy of love and belonging. And I don't know how many people, well, pretty much everybody who's walked through my door at some point, I could say that is true for them. And that is what shame is. That's what core shame is. It's a deep neurobiological setup that doesn't allow me to see myself as lovable. And then oftentimes the stories that get made up in our lives, again, you know, from various belief systems and um, sometimes even religion uh, says you can't you can't love yourself. That's conceited. That's not a good thing. So we start then we we start getting further and further away from this authentic self true self feeling of I am worthy of love and belonging. And then we start making up patterns and stories and, and we do our lives in different ways in order to try and get that love that was already there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Got pruned off a little bit in the neural networks. And so what we want to do as adults is always try and create that sense of um, emotional safety and be really present in the moment and give the body more messages of safety. And, and yeah, and so it's, it's really, I think lifelong, if not several, you know, generations ahead of us have a lot of work to do in order to change some of these old patterns and beliefs. Absolutely. Now, if a mom's listening to this and thinking, wow, I am a hot mess, how can I pass that along? How can I not pass that along to my child? How can I positively parent when I'm I'm a mess inside. I know that, you know, what advice would you offer to a mom who's thinking, oh my goodness, how can I, how can I do this in a, in a positive way to my child if I'm too messed up? That's, that's such a good question because that's exactly what happens. Right. And so the truth is you're not a hot mess. The truth is you are worthy of love and belonging and you are a good mom because you're doing the best you can. We're all doing the best we can. And I think when we start to make these unconscious pieces conscious, that's what we do. And that's what my book was about, was how women tend to internalize all of it. You know, and that's why women doing it all and women trying to get it right and women trying to, you know, do all the best parenting practices and, you know, meet the expectations or unrealistic expectations. You need to let all that go and say, I am enough, and I'm doing the best I can. And I give myself permission to really look at some of these old beliefs about myself and love myself more. And when you say to somebody, you know, it's okay to love yourself, there's so much resistance to that. And that's what I always say. Well, that's because the body memory always overrides the cognitive thought the bot that's the body memory is is the belief the familiar beliefs that we've we've that have gone unconscious in the body memory and so when we realize that we go oh that's why it feels so hard to to love myself and be with my children and know i'm doing the best i can it all sounds good looks good on paper but the body's going uh-uh no we got a different message because this is what we learned when we were little so you need to go back and love that little kid. And again, that's why I'm saying when you look at your child, say at a three-year-old, come back into your own little three-year-old and, you know, whatever messages you got, I call them the not enough messages. You know, you should be this, you should be that. Don't cry, do this, do that. You know, go back to that little three-year-old and just give him or her a little hug 
and say, you're enough, you know, so you do for your inner child, what you would do for your child simultaneously. So you're doing the same thing at once because you're not going to, mm. you're not going to judge your little, your child and say, you know, well, I mean, the old patterns would say, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself and what's wrong with you. Those are the old messages. But right now parents know better. They're not going to do that. Most, most parents to their kids. Um, and if they right. do, it's just repeating a pattern. And that's where we have to come back to forgiveness and, and repetition and keep trying and keep stepping into um, the awareness that you you are doing the best you can. Mm-hmm. Being really mindful about that uh, for yourself and for your, your own behavior to, to your child. Right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to think about at the cellular level, we have these things programmed into us and that we really have to unwind that really truly outside of, you know, the muscle memory of our body, right? Yeah. And that's why, again, it's so important for moms not to turn it inward because that's what they do. They think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I can't get it right. What's, you know, we, that's what I found in my research is moms tend to internalize and it's, a, it's because they want the best for their children. And they want to be able to be the ones that can do that. But they don't, we don't have, this is why I do the work I do is to help people be more aware that it's a collective experience that we're cleaning up right now. This isn't because you're not a good mom. This is because we are changing cellular memory. And that kind of takes the pressure off a little bit, hopefully, or maybe adds more. I don't know. It's always so good. No, I, I think that's really interesting that it's, like you said, a collective experience that we're all sort of cleaning up collectively as a, you know, as a body instead of just one person on their own trying to clean up their own mess, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's an interesting way to think about it. And it, it does kind of, it's more like the greater good kind of thing instead of just specifically to your own self. Like you said, if you're, if you don't have that confidence or comfort level of, of being able to take on the responsibility to, to just your own you know, background, then if you can think about it as the collective parenting body that we all are in here, um, I, I, I think that takes pressure off. I would think so. Uh, cause it's helping everyone. I do. It's like a feeling of exhale is what my clients say. It's like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I can exhale. I can relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I I want to go back to something that you spoke about a little bit ago where you were talking about sort of the old practices versus being too permissive, because I know as a parent myself, I've always struggled with, well, where do you draw the line? What are those boundaries that are correct versus being too strict or being too restrictive? Um, can you talk about that a little bit for, uh, you know, for the toddler sort of stage of life? Absolutely. So T. Barry Brazelton, who was a Oh, an incredible pediatrician who studied um, infant parent uh, relationships a lot um, says that, you know, when parents try to do the opposite, so the old authoritarian belief systems of do as I say, not as I do, you should be ashamed of yourself and all those old belief systems and parents, you know, we realized in the sixties that that was not a good idea. So oftentimes parents went to the opposite extreme of let the kids be kids but Dr. Brazelton says that we're still repeating the pattern, which is all about authoritative control. And so in the old school, the parents were controlling and they were the masters of the kids. And then in the permissive parenting, then the kids start controlling the parents. Because again, we tend, it's this unconscious repetition. 
so my work for a long time when I did parent ed and um, I, I, you know, I've, I've done so much work with parents and trying to help them find the middle ground. I call it heart centered parenting. And that's what's in between. If you think of like a pendulum that swings from the authoritarian to the permissive, you know, from one extreme to the other, we want to find that middle place. And I, that's the harder part right now because there really isn't a good story for it, especially with the world today with technology and we have so much more than generations prior in terms of resources and creature comforts and things like that. And so we don't really have a good story for what it, it looks like to have a heart centered parenting experience. We have to, it's like painting a whole new painting on a blank canvas and putting in the colors and the, and the aspects and the, images that work for you and your family without having it be, I don't want to be that. So I'm going to be this, which is authoritarian or permissive, which is just a repetition of the same old stuff. So it's creating a whole new story. And that's again, part of the digging up and part of the, you know, what does it mean to um, uh, meet my, children's needs without overgiving and overindulging and setting boundaries when actually the the biblical text spare the rod spoil the child that was taken literally and and you know parents were taught to spank because of that actually means the rods contain the sheep within the pasture they didn't they, the rods weren't used to beat the sheep so that's a really good image for why it's important to give kids structure and boundaries and guidance. They need guidance to feel safe. They need boundaries. Um, so I'm not going to say because I don't want people to misunderstand, but spare the rods for the child. child is somewhat true. And so, you know, don't take that literally. But, you know, it, we have to understand that kids need boundaries in order to feel safe. They need to be told no every once in a while, you know, that that's not OK. Um, so again, it's painting that new picture that's never been painted before and really checking in with the deeper parts of ourselves that allow us to be emotionally safe and in um, healthy relationships within our families. If that answered your question, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. No, that's amazing. I'd never heard that about the... Um about the sheep that, that that makes absolute sense that you are creating those boundaries they the sheep app they need boundaries right otherwise they wander off and fall into a hole or off a cliff or whatever right and that's that's not keeping your flock safe so I, I i think that's really interesting just to key on one of the things you said um we talked about this a little bit earlier before we started recording but the creature comforts you mentioned we are all of our kids we they all have creature comforts they have way more than they've ever had in the history of our, of our being um how does that sort of affect things as as parents and and where where is that balance of kind of making them a little bit uncomfortable and that's okay. Where, how do we balance that? Yeah. I mean, that's when we go into all feelings are okay, but all behavior isn't. And I think helping our children tolerate discomfort is a really important part. And again, because if we've been talked out of our feelings when we were young um, and we don't know how to tolerate our own discomfort, it's really hard to tolerate the discomfort of our children. And 
And that's really what it is because kids just, they need to understand if they're feeling, if they're feeling sad or they're feeling grief or they're, they're feeling um, like they can't have what they want, you know, um, that all feelings are okay. You know, how many times are we in the grocery store and what happens, you know, oh, mom, can I have that? Please, please. No. Can I have that? Come on, please, mom. Can I have that? No. Can I have that? No. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, all right, fine. Because we don't want to, we don't want to, we can't deal with it anymore. The whining is like too much. And instead of having a clear plan, you know, going in to a grocery store or somewhere with your child and you say, you know, we're going to, this is what we're going to do. And la, 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 and there's a plan as to whether or not there's going to be something for the child. And then the conversation is on the table and we, we know what we're talking about. And if we say no, you remind your child. Of, and, and, and there's, there's an awareness, there's an understanding that this isn't going to happen right now. And I understand you're really sad about it. And this is what we're doing right now. And instead of giving in, because when we give in, then we, you know, we've created this whole idea that it's, you know, the odds are mom's going to give in eventually. So I'm just going to, so it increases that behavior um, uh instead of, Again, sometimes we have to say no. I know you really, really want that. I know it's super cool. I really want it too. And it's just not something that we're going to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I used to call the kids the gimme birds when we'd go to the store. And then they, 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 oh, well, I don't know. My theory is that they're like raptors in Jurassic Park. They're always testing the fence, right? They're just going to see if, is it still, uh, is it still hot? Is it, am I still going to get burned or am I going to get out this time? Right. Right. And then compare what I just said to some of the elements that are still trickling down from the old school. Like, you know, why are you always asking for stuff? You, you just want, want, want. That's, all, you know, you, you know, could you, you need to just stop asking. You see the difference? Yeah, um, for sure. Like, I know you really want that. Right, and acknowledging that they that they do, and seeing them, like you said, seeing seeing them, really seeing them, and seeing what they're going through, but then not necessarily letting them do what they need they want to do. Right, that's the rods. That's the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up, and I want you to talk a little bit about where to find all of your things, but you mentioned um, before we started recording about a, co a course that you did with your daughter called Moms in Real Life. Tell us a little bit about that and what the moms listening might uh, be might get out of that course if they took it. Yeah, so my daughter, Elizabeth Ashley Herman, is a school psychologist and a mom of a seven and a five-year-old, and we have been teaming up for a couple years now doing teaching and training um, and we ended up putting when uh, the pandemic hit we we put together moms in real life and at first it was going to be moms in real life during the pandemic and then we realized no it's just moms in real life in general <laughs> um, you know and she we have powerpoints we have videos we have worksheets and meditations and so her and I together there's several chapters you can do it at your own pace um, and it's it's fun because she's a younger mom now and I'm a grandma, but you know, all of the learn all the things I learned from Dr. Kersey and in my work, you know, and, and I, it's so it touches my heart to see her continuing 
um, this work with this newer generation. And it's fun to, to work with her together. So that's on my, all of it's on my website, the links to, I have some other courses too. One I did um, called Go In, Not Out for um, helping people when we were in quarantine. And again, I think it, it's it's evergreen timeless in terms of how helping us, helping people kind of go inward and, and again, dig up those parts of themselves that they may have lost. It's valuable at any time, but I think this pandemic has really given us an opportunity to um, have to look at things that maybe we hadn't really looked at before. So all those courses are, and I'm working on one on grief right now, but they're all on my website. And uh, your website is? pattyashley.com, and I spell my name with an I. So P-A-T-T-I-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Excellent. And where else uh, can they find you? Are there social media places or other places? Yeah, Dr. Patty Ashley is my Facebook page. And every Friday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time, I do a Facebook Live. And the month of September, I'm going to be bringing in some guests to talk about how shame shows up in their practices. I you might know Rebecca Folsom. She's a local musician. She oh. helps people with local freedom. She's going to be one of my guests. I have an art therapist and, and some other people lined up um, on Fridays at 11. So I'm always there talking about my work. Um, yeah. And I'm on you know, all the other social network platforms as well, but that's my one thing that I do live. Awesome. That, that's great. I will put all these links in the show notes, of course, so people can find you. Um, and uh, I, I really appreciate you talking to us today. I think that uh, we talked about some amazing subjects for, for moms of, of all ages, but um, also specifically in this season of life. So thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to tell the audience before we close? Well, just remember that you are enough. I mean, you're doing the best you can. And and we're all trying to figure this out. So breathe, exhale, and be good to yourself. And thank you, Mario, for having me. I really appreciate the time on your show. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope that um, you would come back again because there are so many amazing topics that I know that you specialize in that I think that the audience would really benefit from. So I do hope that we can have you on the show again. And thanks for joining us today. I would love that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. This has been the Teaching Your Toddler podcast with Mary Jo Tinlin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll find us on our website at www.teachingyourtoddler.com as well as on Facebook at Teaching Your Toddler, on Instagram, and on Twitter at Teaching Toddler. So join us again, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much.